one more time. Welcome to the True North Church podcast, where we gather to explore faith, find inspiration, and strengthen our spiritual connection. At True North, we exist to help people navigate through the oceans of life in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Each week, we'll dive into meaningful discussions, share uplifting stories, and delve into the teachings that guide our lives. Whether you're a longtime member or a first-time listener, we're grateful to have you join us on this journey. So, let's embark on this episode of Faith, Community, and Discovery together. Come on, he's in the room, church. Amen. Come on, that, that peace, that, that, that feeling right there, that's the presence of the Lord. That's the presence of the Lord. Amen. Come on. That's the presence of the Lord. The thing I love about the presence of the Lord is when when you're in the midst of it, you just you can take a deep breath. You can breathe in, but you can breathe out. You can release all that stress, all that anxiety, all that all the bitterness, all the questions, all the confusions, all the doubt, all the insecurities, all the shit. You can breathe it out. You can just release it. Hey, man, somebody do it with me this morning. Just take a deep breath in. Some of y'all need that this morning. It has been a heavy year. It has been a heavy few weeks. It has been a heavy few months. It's been a heavy few uh, decades for some of y'all. And I feel, I feel that release this morning. Listen, I know we sang it, but it's, it's not just words to a song. If you are a heavy burden... If you are heavy laden, I remember as a kid, there was this group that used to come, and my favorite song that they would sing, they would say, come to me all heavy laden, I'll give you victory. And sometimes I still sing it. But I need you to remember, Jesus gave us his promise. He said, hey, come to me with your heavy burdens. I don't know about you, but I, I, in my small sphere of friends, I love my friends. I love my ride or fly friends. But even with them, there are some burdens I don't take to them. Come on, we're all like that. There's some things you just don't take to everybody. But Jesus is the one friend that says, I want it all. I want it all. Somebody say, I want it all. That's, that's what he's echoing. And listen, if you don't get anything today, I need you to leave here re- reminded and knowing that, you know what? I serve a God that wants all my baggage. He wants all my baggage, all my confusion. He wants it all. Not because he finds pleasure in it. But he finds pleasure in you being in a restful state. He finds pleasure in you being not as anxious. He finds pleasure in you being at peace. Somebody say peace. Thank you, Lord, for that segue. This morning we're going to be talking about peace. Now we're in, the, we're in our series called Advent. Somebody say Advent. I pray you've been following along on social media. Uh, if you haven't been getting the messages, hit me up after service. I need to figure out some of y'all's phones and see what's going on. But we're in this series called Advent. This season of the year, we, we celebrate Advent, and I love it because if you're here last week, uh, if you weren't here last week, you can uh, catch up on the podcast. But just to recap, Advent, it comes from the Latin word or the Latin term, meaning uh, it comes from the Latin word Adventus, meaning arrival. Or to prepare for someone or something worthy of importance. Advent, it comes from the word Adventus, and it means to it means arrival or to prepare for somebody that is of importance. Amen. You know, we said it last week, but if the president, regardless if you voted for him or not, or if the president, if his, if his uh, team called you and said, hey, we are coming over your house for Sunday dinner. We heard you make the best, whatever it is, the best that you make. You know, we heard you make the best in the land. We are coming over for Sunday dinner at 4 o'clock. All of y'all, if you got that call, next thing you know, you would throw the finger up, you know, the old school finger up, and you would walk out of this service. You're like, hey, Lindsay, I love you. I'll see you next week. I got to go clean my house. You got to go prepare your house. You got to go take all the dirty socks. You got to go hide them jokers or try to wash them, and hopefully the dryer gets them done. You got to dust. You, some of y'all ain't dusted since you've been dusty. I mean, I don't know, I don't know where to go with that. But you got to dust. You got to clean. Some of you going to be, I mean, y'all going to be taking toothbrushes and getting the grime out of the towel. You're going to be, I mean, you're going to be preparing your house. Why? Because in your mind, somebody that is of importance is coming to your world. Amen. 
So that's what Advent is all about. It's, it's a time of the year where we prepare our hearts and minds for his second coming. Lindsay, we don't know when he's coming. Exactly. We don't know when he's coming. With the president, you get the courtesy call. With Jesus, you don't get the courtesy call. So, Lindsay, that, that, that's not fair. No, it is fair. It's called keep your heart and mind stayed on Jesus. Live a life worthy of his reflection. My favorite, one of my favorite quotes about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he says this. He says, if you've been called to be a street sweeper, sweep those streets in such a way that all of heaven stands up and takes notice. And on your day of passage, they look and say, here lies a man who fulfilled his purpose. Amen. You got to live your life in such a way that heaven takes notice and says, hey, this one right here, this daughter right here, this son right here, they are fulfilling their purpose. They are living as if I'm coming tomorrow. Can you do that, church? Can you live today as if he's coming tomorrow? Amen. Amen. Oh, that's a word, somebody. Shalabala. So we're in this series called Advent where we prepare our hearts and minds for his second coming while we celebrate his first coming. Amen. And, you know, we, we, you know, normally, if you're taking notes, normally it follows the day, uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. For some reason, this year it started on December 3rd. And it runs from December 3rd all the way to December 24th. And then on December 25th, we celebrate his arrival. And from December 25th starts the 12 days of Christmas. You know, I said it last week, but I'm one of those that I like to, I'd rather the tree be up once December starts and the tree be put back up, you know, two days after Christmas. You know, but once we go into the new year, I don't need, I don't want to see no pine needles. I don't want to see no bells. I don't want to hear, you know, jingle bell, jing, jingle bell done gone. Jingle bell done rung. We need to be singing, you know, uh, Old Lane Zion or whatever. Nobody even knows the full words of that song. I'm just saying. But. But with this, with Advent, it teaches us the opposite of the world's culture, because that's the world's culture. It teaches us that the 12 days of Christmas actually starts on December 25th and goes all the way to January 6th. And on January 6th, we celebrate the day or the Feast of Epiphany. Somebody say Epiphany. Or known as Theophany, which is where we celebrate the wise men coming to worship Jesus. Well, Lindsay, I thought they came to give gifts. They did. They brought that. That's a form of worship. The Bible says that they brought gifts, but also they bowed down. They worshiped and they, they recognized, hey, this is somebody that is important. Not just a somebody, but this is the somebody. Amen. Amen. They were practicing Advent long before we ever came up with it. And, you know, the, there's this thing called the Advent wreath, and I've been so happy, me and the boys, uh, we've been doing that. We've missed a couple nights, but ultimately we've been doing a little Advent wreath. And if you ever look it up, or I encourage you, you know, go out and make one, buy one, participate, whatever it is. But then the Advent wreath is broken up into four candles, and, uh, the, and the fifth candle sits in the middle. But four purple candles, and each one represents a virtue or a theme that you celebrate each week. Last week was the first candle, and we talked about hope. That's what it represents. This week is the second candle, and it represents peace. Somebody say peace. And each week leading up to Christmas, you celebrate, you light, you light the candles or whatever. Uh, you know, so this week we'll light two candles. Last week we just lit one candle. Bless the heart. The boys were like, when are we going to light all of them? I was like, we're not ready. It, you got to build it up. It's, it's a building. of It's, it's an anticipation. Why is, it, why is it? What did you say, Daddy? What's that word? Why is it that? Well, because we are building up anticipation for Jesus Christ. Because it, oh, it took 400 years. Plus, it, it was more than 400 years. Actually, 4,000 years from Adam and Eve all the way to the coming of Jesus anticipation of a savior that was coming anticipation of the promise that God made in the garden which was hey my seed will crush the 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 the, the head of the serpent the head of all darkness all principalities and wicked places amen so today we focus on peace now the second candle on the advent wreath that's also known as the Bethlehem candle. Why? Because Bethlehem is a story about a humble couple on a unwanted journey at an inconvenient time to visit an insignificant town. Ooh, that's not Hallmark need to do that right there. Forget, forget what they've been doing. Hallmark, holla at your boy. You know, give me give me fifteen percent. I got kids, so give me fifteen percent. If I didn't have kids, I'd just take a humble one. But you know, I got children, got mouths to feed, gummies to buy. Amen. If you have a Bible this morning, we're going, to be, we're going to start out in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. If you don't, it's all good. We'll put it on the screen. But today we're talking about peace. Let me give you this big idea. The road to wholeness, the road to wholeness is full of potholes. The road to wholeness, it's full of potholes. Amen. Amen. 
I, I won't I won't I won't throw in too many shots, but you know there's one there's one particular road in our town that when you drive on it, you know it's it's called something street, but really it should be called Pothole Street because the moment you get on it, just all the way back to the interstate. Some of y'all know pick up on the context clues. But the road to wholeness is full of potholes. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, God echoes the promise that he made in the garden to Adam and Eve and to the serpent. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and what's that last one? Prince of Peace. That's right. So let's look at the, let's look at the, now that's, that's a promise that's a promise the children of Israel had long before Jesus ever came. And we talked about it last month, how if you look in your Bible from Malachi to Matthew, you know, it's, it's just right there. It's just a turning of the pages. But in reality, it wasn't like that. It was 400 years of silence, 400 years of never hearing from the voice of God. In Luke chapter 1, we're starting at verse 26 and 38. I want to look at, and some of y'all, you be like, well, Lindsay, I already know the Christmas story. I already know that, you know, Mary was a virgin. But let's, let's look at it from her side. You know, my pastor always says this. There's two sides to every coin. You know, I don't know if you ever heard this, but he says there's two sides. There's your side, my side, and then there's the truth. Amen. There's your side. There's my side. You know, so when somebody's like, man, let me tell you what happened. Understand, you're getting their side. And understand there's another side out there. And then understand at the very top of all, there's the truth. Amen. Amen. So let's look at Mary's side of what happened. In verse 26, we'll do 26 through 38. It says, during the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you, and so you are anointed with great favor. Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. But the angel reassured her, saying, Do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with the wonderful gift. You will become pregnant with the baby boy, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the son of the highest. And the Lord God will enthrone him as a king on his ancestors, David's throne. He will reign as king of Israel forever and his reign will, let, will have no limit. Hallelujah. Mary said, but how could this happen? I am still a virgin. Gabriel answered, the spirit of holiness will fall upon you and almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud over cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's, uh, what's more, you, your age, Aunt Elizabeth, has also become pregnant with the son. The barren one is now in her sixth month. Not, not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. And then verse 38, then Mary responded saying, this is amazing. I will be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. Mary, everything you have told me, or Mary, you have told me to come to pass. And the angel left her. So let's, let's look at Mary's side of it. So obviously Mary was a virgin. Two, she was engaged to Joseph. Now back then, engagements, minimum and maximum, one year. It wasn't, oh, we engaged a couple months, and oh, we just, we just so love, we got a... Are we good? Let's, let's, let's just go to Vegas. No, back then it was minimum and maximum one year. Now, please don't think I'm saying like you can only be engaged one year. I'm, not, I'm just giving you context of what's going on. But back then they were engaged for one year. And watch this unfaithfulness in the engagement. Are you ready for this? Was grounds for death. Unfaithfulness in the engagement unfaithfulness in the engagement was punishable punishable by being stoned to death makes the whole jerry springer thing seem kind of nice huh you know when something back I, I remember as a kid you know i was supposed to be able to so I, that was one of the things i loved about going over grandpa's house because he'd watch all that stuff he'd fall asleep watching that well what am i supposed to do you know well back then there wasn't no game systems yet at his house you know certain people hadn't come into his life but still you know, and so I, there I am watching, you know, court TV, uh, Judge Judy, watching Jerry Springer, and they would just go crazy. You cheated, da, 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 and all this, you know, and back then we would all be like, oh, that's so wrong. But when you look in the biblical days, 
you know, and you was unfaithful, it was punishable by being stoned to death. You're like, hey, hey, whoa, uh, look, give, give me Jerry. Let, let, let's, 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 let's drag this thing out. You know, that's, that's light compared to what they had to go through. But put yourself in Mary's sandals. Imagine the level of stress Mary lived with. You know, all the pregnancy woes, I don't know, all right, I'm just, I'm just going to be honest, I had to Google this, okay, because I've never experienced this. I was, just, I, was I, 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 I got the, uh, you know, Kelsey experience, I didn't. Mom experience, I didn't. I, I gave you a shot, too, too, too. I, I felt the base. I felt the base. But all the pregnancy woes, think about what Mary had to go through. Think about all the swelling in her feet. Mm, there's probably going to be some PTSD for some of y'all, but all the swelling in her feet. And back then they walked everywhere. Somebody say everywhere. everywhere. Wasn't no dropping in the Chevy. Wasn't no getting in the Honda. One Accord. No, they weren't on one Accord back then. They was on one Accord to walk. But, you know, the thing about all the swelling, the back pain, the sharp shooting pains on either side of the abdomen and the hip and the groan, nausea, sensitive to smells. All the cravings, all the up and down emotions, the stretching of certain muscles, all the unintended release that happens when you simply sneeze or cough. Think about all these different things that Mary has going on. Oh, I'm preaching now. Thank you, baby. I'm going to preach it. Amen, Walls. That's right. All right. Think about all, just all these different things. And guess what? They still had a 90-mile journey to go. A 90-mile journey to go. Now, I want to I add one more thing to the list for you to consider, all right, especially the moms in the room, but even, even the fellas. Think about this last thing to, to add to the list. Not only has she got all those pregnancy pains and woes and swellings, but she is constantly having to look over her shoulder because she is in fear for her life because if anybody finds out the truth, her and her baby will be stoned to death. Her and her baby will be stoned to death because you just imagine walking in the market and you know how it is when you walk in Walmart, you see somebody, you're not paying attention, you're not thinking about smiling at them, you're focused on your list. So you may just have a blank stare on your face, and somebody sees you, they don't think of anything, or vice versa. You're like, man, why do they have a blank stare when they, you know, so imagine that being Mary walking in the market and somebody looking at her wrong in, in the back of her mind, do they know? Do, do, do they know the truth? Is that why they looked at me like that? I'll go, some of y'all can relate to that. Do, do, do they really know the truth? And back then, they didn't have no phone, so she couldn't text Joseph and say, hey, I think they know. We need to pack up. No. So now she's got, a, she's got a question. Do I keep shopping? Do I keep getting the produce that me and Joseph need? Do I keep getting these different things? Or do I go home and, and we pack up and flee? Think about those kind of decisions that she's having to go through. Amen? Amen. Now, let's look at Matthew's side of it. Or not Matthew's side of it. Let's look at, at, at Joseph's side of it. I like to call him Joe. But before we do, let me just uh, point out uh, verse 29 and 30 in, in Luke chapter 2, or Luke chapter 1 that we read. But literally, when Mary would have those type of feelings, verse 29, it literally said that Mary was deeply troubled over the words of, of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. And verse 30, but the angel reassured her, saying, do not yield to your fear. Now, when I read that, I got excited because that sounds familiar. Mary is upset, she is stressed, she is worried, she is anxious, and the God, God through the voice of the angel, says, do not worry or surrender to fear. Lindsay, why do you get excited? Because Jesus said the same thing in John chapter 14, 1, and this was Big Mama's favorite verse, let your heart not be what? Troubled, or watch this in the Passion Translation, do not worry or surrender your heart to fear. So not only did God say it to Mary, Jesus grew up and said it to us. Do not worry or surrender to your heart. Surrender your heart to fear. Let not your heart be troubled. Look at somebody beside you say, let not your heart be troubled. So Joe's side of the story. We've got Mary's side. Now we've got to get Joe's side. Now we've got to get to the brother's side. All right. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23 in the Passion Translation, says this. <clears throat> This was how Jesus, God's anointed one, was born. His mother Mary had promised Joseph to be his wife, but while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Her fiancé, Joseph, was a righteous man full of integrity, and he didn't want to disgrace her, but when he learned of her pregnancy, he secretly planned to break the engagement. While he was still debating with himself about what to do, he fell asleep and had a supernatural dream. An angel from the Lord appeared to him in clear light and said, Joseph, descendant of David, 
Don't hesitate to take Mary into your home as your wife because the power of the Holy Spirit has conceived a child in her womb. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Savior, for he is destined to give his life to save his people from their sins. This happens so that what the Lord spoke through his prophet will come true. Listen, a virgin will be pregnant. She will give birth to a son, and he will be known as Emmanuel, which means in Hebrew, God became one of us. I like that. Somebody say Emmanuel. So let's just, let's just sum up Joe's side of the story. We've got Mary's side of the story. Now, Joe's side of the story, I don't know if you think about this, but Joseph, I'm just going to call him Joe because I'm me. Joe was going to divorce Mary. Now, you know, when you look at the nativity scenes, you don't, you know, we don't think about that. We think, oh, little baby Jesus. You know, and if you're culturally appropriated, then we're like, oh, there we go. They got him looking right. They got him look because, oh, okay, all right, we see, we see them. But we don't think about, you know, when you see Mary and Joseph, you don't think about Joseph holding divorce papers in his hand. Lindsay, you're getting a little out there. No, no, the scripture said he was going to divorce. It didn't say he wanted to. He was going to. There's a difference between wanna and gonna, you know. I want to get rich. I'm going to get rich. I want to do this. I'm going to do that. I, I want to fix the house. I'm going to fix the house. I want to, I want to put new brake pads on the van. Bless Kelsar. I've been saying I want to put it. I want to put it. I just got to go do it. There's a difference between wanna and gonna. I love this because as Joseph was making plans, God sent an angel who would disrupt those plans, which reminds me of Proverbs 16, 9, where it says, a person's heart plans his ways, but the Lord determines his steps. A person's heart plans his ways, but the Lord determines his steps. Therefore, when you're making plans, make sure it's the Lord directing your steps and it's not you scheming out of a place of fear and selfishness. Oh, I'm going to run that back. Make sure when you're making plans, it's the Lord directing your steps and it's not you scheming out of fear, not scheming out of lack. Not scheming out of your way or the highway, but make sure it is the Lord directing your steps. Make sure it's the Lord telling you to go this way. Make sure it's the Lord telling you to buy this. Make sure it's the Lord that's telling you not to go here. Make sure it's the Lord. I mean, we all got those stories. We all got those stories. You can fill the walls with all the times the Lord told you, don't do this and don't do that. I can tell you story after story of how the Lord has told me not to do this and not to do that. And, and times where I've obeyed and times where I just, ah, Jesus, I'm sorry. But as Joseph was making his plans, literally the angel came and said, no. And he gave Joseph steps. Why? Number one, to serve as a reminder to him and to us that God really does order your steps. When God is leading you and guiding you, he will order your steps. I promise you, when God is leading you and guiding you, he will order your steps. Another reason why God gave Joseph steps, number, uh, number two, to prove that Mary wasn't lying. He's like, hey, Mary ain't lying. This this really going to happen. This is really happening. And number three, Joseph still had a significant part to play. The angel needed to remind Joseph that, hey, even though you didn't contribute to this making, still you have a part to play in raising the son of God. Wow, what a what a tall order. Sometimes I get overwhelmed thinking about our three boys, and I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I'm equipped enough to raise the, the mighty men of God that you've given us. What a tall order for Joseph to have to, to, to get to, not have to, to get to raise the Son of God. To get to search for him when he's gone. To get to change his clothy diapers. Yuck. I told me and the boys, we were talking about this because, you know, I wanted them to see, hey, Jesus, he was a baby just like you. And one of them was like, so he got sick. I said, he got sick probably. I mean, I mean at the same time, you know, who does Mary pray to? Uh, hey, baby Jesus. You know, I don't know. Just, just a joke. Just a joke. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> baby Jesus, you know, get rid of that colic in your name. No, I'm joking. It's okay. It's okay. But number, uh, I, I love this because God told Joseph through the angel the baby's gender his name, and his mission. And then he says that he will be named Emmanuel. And I love this. Emmanuel in the Hebrew means God with us. It means God among us. It means God incarnated. Lindsay, what is that word? It's a big theological term that means that God put on flesh and bones. And when you look at it, when it says that the word became flesh, it wasn't just, you know, just our normal skin, but it's the weakest, weakest part of humanity. He accepted it. He accepted it. He, he accepted that form. 
I love this because it's, it's, it's God winking when it says that he will be known as Emmanuel. That's him winking back to his prophecies or his prophecy in Jeremiah 32, 38, which says they will be my people and I will be their God. Amen. Amen. And after all this, so Joseph accepted. He's like, I mean, shoot, I ain't, OK, I, I guess God, I guess, I, I mean, I saw an angel. You know, I seen an angel. So, I mean, he does it. And just to skip, you know, we'll, we'll just to paraphrase for time. But after this, the Bible says that literally when Herod was made known of what was going on, he investigated the wise men to, to seek and he deceived or he tried to deceive them by saying, hey, t- tell me the location of where this of where this king is going to be born so I may come and worship him. And the scripture, I love it because when you look in the Gospels, it says while in his heart, he had planned to kill him. And when the wise men went to worship him and give him gifts and love on him and all this, and after they left, the Bible says they went an alternate route so they wouldn't come by the king's place again. And when the king learned this, he grew, he, grew, uh, he got angry and got bitter. And the Bible says that he decreed this law, every child from the age two and under would be murdered. Every child from the age two and under would be murdered. So, so you know, who, Lindsay, who was Herod? Herod was somebody that possessed the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, the Bible talks about in 1 John 4, 3, where it says that there, there were, the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the earth. Herod was not the Antichrist. He was one that possessed the spirit of the Antichrist. The spirit of the Antichrist is anybody and everybody that refuses, refuses to confess that Jesus is Lord. Herod did not want to accept this. And what did he want to do? Wanted to murder. murder. I mean, you can go through this Gospels. You can look at history and see all the different individual, individuals that have that type of spirit. We won't get into that. But from Joe's perspective, in Matthew 2, 13 through 18, what we read earlier, but Joe's perspective, his son isn't his biological son. Nothing wrong with that, but I'm just, I'm just painting a picture for y'all so you can see this. Here's what Joe's wrestling with. Number one, his son isn't his biological son. He's entangled in scandal and suspicion because, remember, they're not married yet. Not married yet. Still a virgin. Number three, multiple assassination attempts on him and his family. Another one is they are having to relocate multiple times in the dead of the night. Relocated to, to Bethlehem. Relocated from Bethlehem to Egypt. Relocated from all these different places when they would learn that there was somebody else seeking to find Jesus and kill him. Multiple things. So Joe has been, watch this, Joe's been promised that Jesus was going to be the Prince of Peace. However, in reality, they're living a life full of stress and anxiety, scandal, and chaos. Scandal and chaos, which once again proves that Jesus really can relate to every facet of humanity. See, we can all relate to Joseph. We can all relate to Mary. In some, in some shape, form, and fashion, we can all relate to them. Why? Because there's, there, there's nothing peaceful about the struggle in life. There's nothing peaceful about the death of your friends or your family. Oh, there's nothing peaceful about pay cuts or lonely holidays or taxes or good lists. There's nothing peaceful about politics. Oh, my Lord, there's nothing peaceful about politics. There's nothing peaceful about raising children. There's nothing peaceful about growing a small church. There's nothing peaceful about marriage. There's nothing peaceful about paying bills. There's nothing peaceful about trying to follow the doctor's orders and eat healthy. There's nothing peaceful about navigating through triggers. There's nothing peaceful about this life in this fallen world. See, we, we all can relate to Mary and Joseph Amen. in some shape, form, or fashion. Why? Because those that have, have received Jesus, we have the Prince of Peace, but we live a life that isn't always peaceful. Amen. Mary and Joseph, you got to think about Joseph. If, if Joseph was me, if I was Joseph, Lord, I, I thought you said this baby was going to be the Prince of Peace. But I'm having to run for my life. We can't tell everybody our, the true story of how he came into the world. People's like, oh, I'll tell us how you came together. I can't tell them I was about to leave her because she done st- you know, stepped out with the Holy Spirit. I mean, can't, all these different things. It's not a, it's not a life of peace. Amen. So how is Jesus really the prince of peace? Let me say this. Just because you go through battles doesn't mean that God is not with you. Because the great thing about all this, everything they went through, still the Prince of Peace was with them. Just because you go through battles, see, the, the misconception is the moment that you accept Jesus, everything is going to be sunshine and rainbows. And it's not. If you didn't know that, spoiler alert, it is not. 
But just because you go through battles doesn't mean that God is not with you. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> See, the definition of peace, when the Bible says that he is the prince of peace, the word that's used there, the Hebrew word that's used there is the word shalom. Somebody say shalom. shalom. And I love this because shalom in the Hebrew means wholeness. Nothing missing and nothing broken. Wholeness, amen? amen. In the Greek, the word for peace is irene, which means to set at one again, to restore, to reconcile, to be made whole, to be made one again, amen? I love this because shalom as a verb is to make complete again or to restore. An example is if your child, if, 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 one of, if one of my kids were to destroy somebody else's property or destroy somebody else's toy, the biblical shalom or the shalom response is for me to give them a complete payment for their loss. For me to shalom them, for me to make things at one again, make things whole again. See, if we are shaloming, if we're, if we're making shalom, that means that we are taking what's missing and restoring it back to wholeness. See, in the kingdom of God, shalom is broken relationships being reconciled. That's one of the hardest things right there. You know that one person you, don't, you still don't talk to because they did this, this, this back the way you know when? Shalom says that we are to make it whole again. So that means that you got to embrace that awkwardness and you got to address it. Now, I'm not perfect. There's still some things where I'm like, Lord, if I see this person, I don't know what to do. Lord, if I see this person, Lord, you better, Lord, you better tie me up because I got the five-fold knuckle shuckle staying on ready, Jesus. We all, we all got those thoughts. But if we're following Jesus, if we're, if we're practicing shalom, if we're practicing peace, then that means that we have to be willing to reconcile. We have to reconcile those broken relationships. Watch this. In the kingdom of God, shalom is rivals not just ending conflict, rivals not just stop fighting, but actually peace looks like rivals making shalom by working together for each other's benefit. Ooh, it's not enough for you to stop fighting with somebody. Now you got to make sure that they benefit. Now you got to make sure that you are working for their good. And they working for your good. And watch this. Lindsay, what if they're not working for my good? You continue to work for their good. Well, Lindsay, they, they, they only giving halfway, so I'm just going to meet them where they're at. Nope. What happens if Jesus would have met us where we were at? What if he didn't just go all the way? What if he didn't just go all the way to, what if he was on the cross and on the cross he's like, oh, all right, that's about 500 sins. We're done for the day. All right, yep, yep, clock out. No, Hebrews 12, 2 says, for the joy of us, he endured the cross. It didn't say he endured part of the cross, a quarter of the cross, half of that wood. No, he shed his blood on all of it, all of it, Amen. And I love this because rivals make shalom by working together for each other's benefits. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Somebody say Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And guess what? He made shalom for us. While we were deep in sin, we became, uh, he, the word became flesh. And he stepped out of heaven into the womb of a virgin, deep into poverty, prone to sickness and disease just like us. Grew up with people not believing him. Even the same siblings in his home is in his own house didn't believe in him. But that did not stop him. And I love this because it says that he lived the perfect life, fulfilled every prophecy all the way to the point of a cross. And when the time was right, he hung his head. But that's not how, like the song says, the story ends. I love it because three days later, he rose again. What does the song say? That's what love looks like. Amen. That's what love looks like. Not only is that what love looks like, that's what shalom looks like. He made peace for you while we were deep in sin. I, you got to understand this. While you were deep in your misery, deep in your hatred, deep in your distance from a good and holy God, he stepped out of heaven into a womb of a virgin and made shalom for us by living the same life that you and I couldn't. Oh, yes, he did. He lived the same life that you struggled to live every day. And guess what? He took every struggle and nailed it to a cross according to the book of Colossians and three days 
later, after everybody thought and counted him out, he said, oh, no, 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 no. I was doing work in the earth. Now I'm going to take what I've done in the earth, and I'm going to rescue every captive, and I'm going to set them in righteousness. And guess what? Not only am I setting them in righteousness, I'm setting you in righteousness. I am making shalom for everybody in the world. Peace for everybody. So, Lindsay, what do you mean that he's making shalom? He is restoring a broken relationship between mankind and God. That's why the Bible says that we can go to the throne of grace and find mercy in our time of need. Why? Because he went. He did all the heavy lifting. He did all the heavy work. That's why he said, hey, if you are heavy laden and heavy burdened, that's why we saying it earlier. Oh, come to the altar. Oh, come to the feet of Jesus. Oh, come let us adore him. It's been one of my favorite Christmas songs because I'm like, if, there, if there's any Christmas song that's a worship song, it's that one. Oh, come let us adore him. For you alone are worthy. For you alone are holy. Lord, for you are the ultimate awesome God that we serve and love and thank and need. Why? Because you made shalom in a time where we couldn't. In a time where you and I could not reconcile our differences between each other or between God, he came and did that work. He came and did it, amen? amen. He came and did it. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, made peace for us. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, made peace for us, knowing that Jesus did all that for you and for me, the whole world, for whosoever chooses to accept him as Lord of their life. It makes Joseph and Mary's journey to Bethlehem worth it. It makes, their, it makes all the struggles they went through worth it. It makes every pothole that they had to cross over worth it. Why? Because they got wholeness out of it. Why? Because even, uh, even though baby Jesus was coming, even though Jesus was coming, still they were not right with God. Mankind was still not fully right with God. Yes, the Bible says that he found favor with Mary and he viewed Joseph as a righteous individual, but the rest of the world was not right with God. Watch this. If we all get to be restored back to wholeness, then the road is worth the potholes. If your life is restored once again, if you've been made at one with the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, then the road that you have to endure, every pothole that you have to endure, it's, it's, it's worth it. We said a few months ago, we talked about how Jesus is worth the trouble. He's worth the trouble. If it means that there are certain friends that, that walk out of my life, guess what? He's, he's worth the trouble because my friends can't deliver what he delivers. If it means the doctor looks at me crazy because I'm confessing and believing and standing upon something that is the opposite of what he has diagnosed me or she has diagnosed me, it's worth the, it's worth the weird looks. If it means that I walk in Walmart and people are like, oh, you better, run, you better walk away because you know they're going to talk about Jesus, it's worth that kind of accusations. Why? Because what he has done for me. What he has done for me, what he has done for you, nobody else has been able to match it. No other app has been able to match it. There's no amount of money that can match what he has done for you, how he has set you one with God, how he has restored your soul, how he has picked you up and saved you and made you whole again. There's nothing that compares to it. It's worth it. Amen? It's worth what you're going to have to go through. It's worth only being, it's worth maybe having to go out to eat by yourself. It's worth having to stay indoors sometimes. It's, it's worth only listening to certain music or certain movies or not watching certain things. Why? Because you don't want to conflict the hard work that the Lord has planted in you. It's worth it. It's worth it. When we go to Virginia, there's one way that we had to go when we got to cross through Broad Street. I'm just going to say in Broad Street, it is full of potholes from here all the way down to a co-op. But it's worth it because I know that if I want to get to the interstate, I got I to gotta take this route. It's worth it. So therefore, I'm deeming the destination as something that is more important than the journey. I'm deeming the destination as something that's more important than the inconveniences in my life. 
Some of y'all, you got to start seeing Jesus as, hey, Lord, uh, I, I, my life doesn't look like what, it, what I want it to be like. But, Lord, I'm I thankful that I, you are still in my life. So everything that is an inconvenience to me, I'm going to just part for the course. I'm just going to count it all as joy because why? in the end of the day, I still get you and you still get me. I am still your people and you are still my God. Your promises are still yes and amen in my life. Your word is still holding true. Heaven and earth has not passed away. I I have not passed away yet, so your word is still holding on. Lord, I thank you that your word is still sustaining me. Lord, I thank you I still have a job, so therefore you are still providing for me. Lord, I thank you I have kids, so therefore you are interested in me spreading and, and, and influencing the world. Lord, whatever it is that you have given me, it is because you are good and holy and you want to see me prosper. So therefore the potholes that I have to endure in my life, it's worth it. Amen. So let me close with this. Willingly, number one, you willingly need to choose to see the potholes, the inconveniences, the disruptions, all the temporary chaos that you go through. You have to see it worth the shalom that Jesus has given back to you. You got to see every inconvenience as worth it when it comes to, hey, I'm in, I got to go through all this, but it's okay because what Jesus has already given me, it's more than enough. My granny and, 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 and some of her siblings used to sing this when I was a kid. But if he, if he never does another thing for me, he's done enough. And as a kid, I would be like, no, I still want more. I still want more. But as an adult, when I look back, I was about to cry when we were singing this morning. Because when I think about certain people who have been through some things and how I almost lost individuals in my family. And how they are still standing in the same building as me, lifting their hands and singing. And I'm like, Lord, you've done enough. If you never do another thing for me, you've done enough. Lord, how you've given me three children, you didn't have to do it. But you did it anyway. You've done enough. Lord, you giving me you giving me friends and family. You give me a good wife. You've done enough. He's done enough. The world says no. We should want more, and we should want more. And we're like, no. He's made me one again. He's made me whole. He's done enough. Everything else is extra. Now, yes, we can live off the extra, but what He's done, it's more than enough. Because at the end of the day, the Bible says that when we leave this earth, when we are absent in the body, we are present with the Lord. Why? Because he made shalom for us. He made peace for us. Even when we're grieving, we can be reminded that, guess what? On this side of, the, on this side of heaven, it may be years before we see those that we've lost. But on the other side of heaven, it's, 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 it's uncomparable millisecond it's almost like milliseconds to where we are with him again willingly choose to see the potholes as worth it why because he's made you whole again number two because he has given us shalom this is the part that's going to hurt you must in turn go and restore wholeness for someone else because he has made shalom for you, because he's made peace for you, you must go and make peace with somebody else. Why? Because true peace is not just the absence of conflict, but it's taking what's broken and restoring it as one. True peace is not just you not fighting with somebody. Oh, no, no. That's, see, see, we, we all be like, well, I ain't going to fight with them. And then we just ignore them, block them, delete them. See, I told you I ain't fighting. Well, yeah, you ain't fighting them because you ain't even seeing them. But true peace... It's not the absence of conflict. It's restoring what was broken into one. The Bible compares it as uh, almost like a wall that goes around a city and how it's full of bricks. If you ever studied the story of Nehemiah, literally the wall that encompassed around them, it was destroyed. And Nehemiah went and made shalom. Him and his people, they went and restored the wall as one wall. That's what shalom looks like. What bricks are missing? In some of the relationships with you and your family or you and your friends or you and your co-workers or you and the people that hurt you in the past what brits are missing shalom looks like taking all that and filling in the gaps plugging it up to where it's just one one accord one wall one line here's how we make shalom with friends 
and family and co-workers and rivals and strangers. Number one, pray and ask God to identify within you the very thing that needs restoration. Here's how you make shalom with those. Number one, pray and ask God to identify within you the very thing that's broken. The very thing that's broken. Lord, show me what's broken. Lord, show me what's broken. But don't do number one unless you're going to commit to number two. Number two is ask God for the strength and courage to put your best foot forward as you make shalom with somebody else. It's not enough for you to ask God, Lord, show me what's broken. But number two, you got to say, you got to ask God for the courage and the strength. You don't have to come up with it all on your own. You don't. That's the goodness of God right there. You just got to give him the space to do it. But number two, ask God for the courage and the strength to put your best foot forward. One of the things that we're working with with our kids when they fight and it goes too far and it's time to apologize. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I felt that. In, ooh, Jesus. <laughs> when it's time to apologize, one of the things we started making them do, especially, uh, what was it, yesterday or the day before, one of them kicked the other. All right, well, hug it out. You got to hug it out. And you can't let go until they're both smiling and laughing. But when you say sorry, you got to look them in the eye. So look, so here's the way it goes. One kicked the other. All right, tell them you're sorry. Sorry. And a lot of times as Christians, that's the way we would go to people that have hurt us. Or, the, or people that we've mistreated. Sorry, I forgive you, you forgive me. And the boys are like, one of them was like, I'm sorry. No, that's not how daddy's taught you how to apologize. How are you supposed to apologize? Look him in the eye, well look him in the eye. Talk like a big boy. No, you can't grit your teeth. You can't be begrudgingly apologizing, otherwise it don't count. Oh, come on, I'm talking to somebody this morning. I'm telling you, this is what we are teaching our kids. You can't begrudgingly apologize. You got to look them in the eye. And, and ladies don't get offended, but I teach them, I said, as a man, well, I'm a boy. No, you are a young man. I said, as a man, you will look this person in the eye, even if he is your goofy brother. You look him in the eye. You shake his right hand as a sign of authority. You shake it. You don't goofy shake it. You shake it. So they shake it. Now you say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Good. Now, the second part of it is you hug it out. And they hug it out until one of them's laughing or they're both laughing. Until everything is, watch this, until the joy that they both had is restored. Come on. Until the joy that the, bro- that the brothers enjoyed with each other is restored again. And sometimes it takes that embrace. Hmm. Some of y'all are going to have to go out and start embracing people again. Well, Lindsay, you don't know what they've done. No, I don't know what they've done. That's why you pray and ask God for the strength and the courage to put your best, fo- uh, best foot forward. And I'm talking to myself because I got a list of people. I'm like, Lord, why are you giving me this? Lord, why I got to go preach this and then got to go do it? Why I got to do it first and then preach? Lord, why? Could we just talk about sweet baby Jesus, how he was innocent? Didn't do none to nobody. And they were trying to get them. Why, Lord, why, why do we have to talk about shalom? Because it prepares a space in your heart. How, how awesome would it be that you are found making shalom with people when he returns? Ooh. How awesome would it be when he comes back on the earth? He catches you making peace with somebody. He catches you walking in a level of wholeness. He, he catches you on your job working through a, a posture in your heart that is whole and at peace versus broken and chaotic and worried and scared and frantic. How awesome would it be to be caught in a state of wholeness? Sometimes I'll catch my boys, me or Kelsey, we'll catch them doing something they're supposed to do. And they're like, huh? And I'm like, see, you weren't supposed to. I caught you. Not saying that God is just waiting for you to slip up there. Who caught you? But how awesome would it be that when he returns, he catches you in a state of wholeness? Number three, remember the road to Shalom will be bumpy, but the road to complete wholeness is worth the potholes. The road will be bumpy. I'm trying to think of how we used to say growing up when I was a kid. But the road will be bumpy to the road to Shalom. It will be bumpy, but the road to complete wholeness is worth the potholes. How they used to say when I was a kid, I don't feel no ways tired. Come too far from where I what started from. Nobody told me it was going to be easy. Following Jesus will not be easy. 
restoring relationships and friendships will not be easy. Turning your rival into your friend will not be easy. But guess what? He didn't bring you this far just to leave you on your own. He didn't bring you this far to leave you on your own. Like Brother Norman says, he has equipped you to do the very thing that he asks of you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He has equipped you. I need you to remember this. He's equipped you to raise those kids. He's equipped you to, to work the job that you're working. He's equipped you to be the type of husband that, you, that he has deemed you to be. He's equipped you to be the type of wife that he's deemed you to be. He's equipped you to be the type of citizen in this town. He's equipped you to be the type of uh, the type of blessing at the senior center, the type of blessing at the gas station, the type of blessing on your job, the type of blessing in your family. You are not here by accident. You are not here by accident. There is no big bang, and if there was a bang, somebody still had to pull the trigger. You are not here by accident. You've been placed on this earth for a reason. You've been placed in this town. You've been placed in this community. You're in this room for a reason. Why? Because he's trying to remind you he's equipped you to do the very thing that he's called you to do. He doesn't call the qualify. He qualifies those that answer the call. Lindsay, what does that call look like? It looks like you saying, you know what, Lord? You've made shalom for me, so Lord, give me the grace and strength to go make shalom for somebody else. This is what we do. We point people back to Jesus. We're a multi-ethnic collective that navigates through the oceans of life. Sometimes those oceans are rough. Sometimes they're calm. Sometimes they're chaotic. Sometimes they're political. Sometimes there's a loss in somebody's life that we're having to navigate through. Sometimes there's a blessing. Sometimes there's a new birth. Sometimes it's a new marriage. Sometimes it's an old marriage. Sometimes it's a split. Sometimes it's a loss of a job. Sometimes it's a broken down vehicle. Whatever the oceans of life look like, we are helping people navigate in the direction that lands them at Jesus. We're helping them get to the place that they land at Jesus. We're helping them get to the place where they land at Jesus. We're helping them get back to Shalom. Why? Because he's made Shalom for you. I need you to look at this week different. As you know what, okay, this isn't just another week. This isn't just, I got, I got a few more minutes, I got a few more days and a couple weeks before, before Christmas. No, this is, this is your mission. This is your instruction. This is your challenge. Amen. As he has made Shalom for us, we are to make Shalom for everybody else. Amen. Thank you for listening to the True North Church podcast. If you're not already following us on social, check out our website at truenorth731.com to find direct links to our pages. Also, if you would like to contribute to the work we are trying to do, you can click the safe and secure giving link and follow the prompts. Thank you for helping us build and strengthen our community. Until next time, have a great day.